The reading is taken from John chapter 15, starting at verse 18. It can be found on page 1083 in the Church Bibles. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you, so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good. Well, a very good evening to you and Martha. Thank you very much for reading to us. Please do keep John chapter 15 open in front of you and let me pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to hear you speaking to us now. Uh, We pray that you will please give us soft and teachable hearts as Jesus sets our expectations for living the Christian life. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, In 1914, Ernest Shackleton, pictured here with his ship, the Endurance, uh, set sail to Antarctica. His ambition uh, was to make the first land crossing of the Antarctic continent. And legend has it that Ernest Shackleton posted an advert in the Times to recruit men for his expedition. And it read as follows, Men wanted for hazardous journey. Small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, honour and recognition in small case of success. Through his advert, Shackleton was setting right expectations. The men recruited should be prepared to experience danger, suffering, uh, even death so that when hardships came on their journey subsequently, 
the men were not deterred. They knew what to expect. They could be prepared for the suffering they subsequently experienced. Now, over the last few weeks, we've been reading this section of John's Gospel where Jesus is teaching his disciples in the upper room. Uh, They're gathered together on the eve of Jesus' crucifixion. And this section began back in chapter 13 with Jesus washing his disciples' feet. And uh, John, uh, the writer, records in verse 1 that it was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus is about to return to his Father through his death, his resurrection and his ascension. And in his teaching to his disciples, Jesus has been setting the expectation for life without him in the world. What is the disciples' life to look like as Jesus returns to his Father from this world. And like Shackleton on his expedition, Jesus has set a clear expectation for the journey ahead. Last week we were encouraged by Andrew's teaching. Jesus set the expectation in chapter 15 and verse 5 that we are to remain connected to him. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do no Uh, can do nothing. Uh, Being a disciple is about remaining in Jesus' love by keeping his commandments. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Being a disciple is about loving other disciples of Jesus. Verse 12, my command is this, love Each other, as I have loved you, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Or again, verse 17, this is my command, love each other. Within our church family, it is a huge encouragement to love and be loved self-sacrificially. Yet the disciples and we are not to live in isolation from the world. As Jesus' followers, we're not to exist in some sort of holy huddle, separated from the world. Instead, Jesus sets the expectation in our passage this evening that we're to be out in the world testifying about him. And as we do that, Jesus teaches us that there is suffering ahead. Like Shackleton, Jesus sets realistic expectations. In contrast to those relationships here in the church, The world hates Jesus and those connected to him. The world hates Jesus and those connected to him. And Jesus wants us to be prepared to face opposition in this world. Why? Chapter 16 and verse 1. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. Like Shackleton's men, having realistic expectations means that we're not deterred. And as we will see, uh, there's also encouragement in the work of God's Holy Spirit. We can expect his help in the face of opposition as we testify uh, to Jesus. So point number one this evening is that the world hates those connected to Jesus without reason. And uh, we're going to look firstly at the the opposition to Jesus. Uh, Read with me from verse 18. 
If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Uh, In the first part of John chapter 15, Jesus taught that we're in the closest possible relationship with him. Uh, He is the true vine, the true Israel, uh, and we are the branches grafted in to him. Uh, Verse 4 of chapter 15, uh, we are to remain in him as he remains in us. And in such close union with Christ, uh, we are to expect the same treatment as him. Uh, Verse 18, Jesus was hated by the world first, and so we too can expect to be hated by the world. Now in John's Gospel, the the world, in the Bible as a whole, the world is code for humanity in rebellion against God. Ever since the Garden of Eden, humanity has chosen to reject God's right rule over his world. And instead, since Adam and Eve, men and women everywhere have preferred to live their lives their way. And left to our own devices, of course, this will be our natural state. We too swallow the serpent's lie to Eve that we can be like God, dictating right from wrong. We say, this is my life and it's my choice in how we should live it. And yet, verse 19, by God's grace, Jesus has chosen us, uh, chosen his true disciples out of that world. If you belong to the world, verse 19, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Being in the world means that we're celebrated uh, as one of the world's own. But Jesus has chosen his disciples from the world. The language of ch- chosen here is, is like being picked out of the world. And note here that Jesus is the one to choose us before we choose him. And yet those who turn to Christ in repentance and faith are then shaped by a totally new identity. We're no longer living only for life in this world. We're shaped by God's truth revealed in the person of his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a new allegiance. No longer do we live only for ourselves. Uh, rather we confess Jesus is Lord. And because of this change in spiritual state, no longer is the world's home. Heaven is our home. And our changed priorities, our changed allegiance, our changed home mean that we are hated. Verse 19, as it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Now, many of you know the Brazilian footballer, I'm sure, Argentinian footballer, rather, Carlos Tevez. And for two seasons, in 2007-9, to uh, he played there on the left for Manchester United. Uh, What transpired to be his last match at Old Trafford, uh, he was applauded by the fans for a superb goal in the 66th minute. Uh, Then, in a shock deal worth uh, a then-record £47 million, uh, he moved to rivals on the right, Manchester City. Uh, In an an instant, his allegiance had shifted from one team, Manchester United, uh, to the other, Manchester City. Uh, His identity, we might say, uh, was changed. He's no longer wearing a red shirt, he's wearing a blue shirt. Uh, He would now be fighting for the opposition, uh, if you're to put it that way, in the blue shirt. Tevez couldn't expect the same adulation 
from the Manchester United fans that he had received at Old Trafford once his shirt had changed. Those same fans who applauded him now hated him. Uh, In the same way, those who switch sides and switch shirts from Team World to Team Jesus will be hated. Verse 20, remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. You and I cannot be on both teams. We cannot live for ourselves and Jesus Christ. We cannot seek to serve the Lord and his people uh, and ourselves. We cannot wear both the shirt of the world and the shirt of team Jesus. And so may I ask this evening, are you committed to team Jesus? Is the best of your time in the day given to him? Uh, Is it given over to understanding more of him and uh, our Heavenly Father in Bible reading and prayer? Or is the best of your time given to organising and controlling your worlds? Is the first money in your monthly wage slip spent on your needs? Or is it spent on the work of gospel proclamation? Uh, In conversations with colleagues, neighbours, friends, uh, do you play it safe? Or is your conversation directed to speaking to them about the Lord Jesus? Would a look at your diary, at your bank accounts, at your conversational history show that you are chosen out of the world? And I've got a little test uh, to apply uh, to see whether or not you you are chosen out of the world. It's called the Am I Hated test. Uh, If you're connected to Jesus, uh, we're told, we will be hated by the world. And if we're experiencing opposition for being Christians, actually, Jesus tells us we can be encouraged. It's a means of God's grace, in a way, of confirming that Jesus has chosen us out of the world. It's a means of confirming that we are truly living for him. And if we're not hated by the world, maybe there's there's opportunity to consider why. Are we trying too hard to fit in with worldly living and worldly priorities rather than living for our new team captain, King Jesus? But why is it uh, that the world hates Jesus so vehemently? The answer given in verse 21 is the world, as we've already seen, is is ignorant of God. Verse 21, they will uh, treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Uh, And even uh, if the world have a glimpse of who God is in the life of Jesus Christ and the miracles that attest to uh, his identity as the Messiah, they reject him. Verse 22, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen and yet they have hated both me and my father. The problem of opposition to Jesus uh, then lies in people's hearts. The world's hatred of him reveals the sinfulness of people. It's not that Jesus did anything wrong, verse 25, but this is to fulfil what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. 
Here Jesus is quoting from Psalm 69. You can see that in the footnote at the bottom of the page. It's a psalm of David, uh, and it begins like this. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out, calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail, looking for my God. Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. Many are my enemies, without cause, those who seek to destroy me. A thousand years before Jesus, King David cries out for salvation to God from his enemies. The world in opposition to God has always set itself up against God's chosen king and his people. And in the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, Jesus is no different. Jesus heals the sick. He teaches as one with authority. Uh, He even raises the dead. And yet, he is despised. He's rejected by the religious authorities of the day. Hated to the point that he will be crucified on a Roman cross. And all without reason. Verse 25. Uh, Each month I receive the Christian newspaper Evangelicals Now. Uh, I know some of you receive it, and if you don't, uh, I would fully recommend taking out a subscription. Uh, One thing that I find particularly helpful about EN uh, is that it keeps the persecuted church on my radar. And with uh, respect to verse 25, they hated me without reason, an article this month uh, caught my eye. It reads uh, as follows. Imprisoned Protestant pastor Lorenzo Rosales has been officially informed by the Cuban government that he he has been sentenced to seven years in prison, one year less than first indicated. No reason has been given for the charge. The reason for the opposition uh, to Jesus and those connected to him is, well, there is no reason. In the words of one preacher, one commentator, it is an irrational hatred of Jesus. And in drawing uh, implications from this, uh, I think there's a word of caution uh, and a word of encouragement. Uh, Firstly, uh, the caution. Jesus teaches that we'll be hated without reason for our connection to him. Uh, When we experience opposition, it is Christ in, in us who incurs the world's hatred, and not us. We cannot use the expectation of hatred from the world as an excuse to be deliberately contrary or inflammatory towards those around us. Yes, the gospel, the cross of Christ, is offensive to the world, but I do not think that it is for Christians to be offensive. And second, a word of encouragement. We do not need to spend time and effort seeking to explain the world's hatred of us when we are hated and experience opposition for our faith. It is irrational. And ultimately, those of us who do experience opposition for our faith haven't done wrong. The hatred is not against us, so we've no need to take it personally in some ways. Rather, it's on account of Jesus and our deep faith union with him. And what is then the nature of this opposition? We've established the world hates those connected to Jesus without reason, but how does the world show it? Well, 
In the first instance, I think opposition is subtle but pervasive. Uh, There's a sense in which, as Christians, we're swimming against a cultural tide. Our values and our priorities are aligned with living our new citizenship in heaven. And in our thinking and speaking and acting, uh, we are pressurised to conform to the world's mould. And I expect that this is something that we've all felt, uh, and perhaps on various moral issues, perhaps even in the last week uh, from the world's media uh, responding to events in the US. And I think, actually, that's why it's going to be so important to get along on Wednesday night, if you can, to hear John Wyatt uh, as he uh, corrects our perspective on a number of those things that the world uh, would have one way, uh, and which, actually, as Christians, we have an opportunity to live distinctively uh, in following God's truth. However, I think in this passage, uh, Jesus has a more active opposition in mind. It was there in verse 20, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Uh, And we know, reading on, that just the day after these words in chapter 19 and verse 1, Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in the face. Ultimately, uh, they led him out to be murdered in the most barbaric acts in human history. And as Christians in Christ, we will receive the same treatment from the world. We should be prepared for suffering, even martyrdom. Now here in Chesham, that seems a world away this evening from most of us, and I wonder if we're just a little bit too comfortable. Uh, We need to recognise that we live in a unique time in history, We live in a unique place in our world. Our relative lack of opposition is the exception, not the norm. Jesus tells us we cannot expect this relative lack of hatred to last. As I speak this evening, we know full well that around the world there are Christians who are really and seriously feeling the heat for following Jesus I think one of the most memorable evening services which uh, I've been uh, to here at Emmanuel during my time at Emmanuel was hearing Rob McIntyre. I can't remember exactly when it was, but he was speaking about the work of the charity that he's involved with, Open Doors. Uh, Open Doors is a charity working with the persecuted church uh, worldwide. And a a quick uh, look at their website revealed that they estimate that one in seven Christians are persecuted for their faith. 350 million people worldwide. Almost 6,000, they estimate, last year murdered for no reason apart from following Jesus. And their website even carried a story from Nigeria last Sunday. Gunmen attacked Maranatha Baptist Church, killing at least three people and abducting more than 30 churchgoers. Both churches are based in the Kaduna State, a region severely affected by the Fulani militant violence. The attackers entered several villages on motorcycles, shooting indiscriminately, including the village of Rubu, where the churches are located. Worshippers were finishing their first service when the gunmen began shooting. The world hates Jesus. It hates those connected to him, and without reason. And yet back in John chapter 16... I think there's a real surprise. It's not just the world 
that hates Jesus and those connected to him. The shock of chapter 16 and verse 2 is that opposition towards Jesus' disciples will come even from those who are religious. Chapter 16, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. And we've already had a sense of this from Jesus back in uh, chapter 15 and verse 25. Uh, Jesus experiences opposition from those whose law points to him. Uh, This was what was written to fulfill what was written in their law. They hated me without reason. Jesus was the Messiah God's Old Testament people were anticipating. Yet when confronted by him uh, in front of them, uh, confronted by the evidence that he was God's uh, king, the Jewish leaders chose to reject him. They were unprepared to acknowledge and bow the knee to Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God. And as we discover by reading on into the Acts of the Apostles, those who did uh, believe were hated, uh, as Jesus told them they would be. Verse 2, they were put out of the synagogue, and ultimately uh, some of the apostles here in the upper room with Jesus that night were killed. This was what the disciples in the upper room were to expect. And if accounts of church history are anything to go by, this is what we too should expect. Opposition and persecution from within the professing church. Church leaders can and do make life very uncomfortable for true disciples of Jesus. Uh, Perhaps even church leaders in our own denomination, unprepared to accept the hatred of the world. And in so doing, returning to our earlier illustration, continuing to play in the world's kit. In this way, the world and its hatred for Jesus is found within the church. John chapter 16 and verse 3. And they will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. Jesus sets realistic expectations of the opposition we will face as his disciples. So that when uh, the opposition does come... Uh, we may not be surprised. Verse 4, I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember them. Remember that I warned you about them. Indeed, opposition then becomes an encouragement as it proves the genuineness of our faith. Uh, But there is further encouragement in these verses. And so secondly and briefly, the Spirit helps those connected to Jesus because he testifies about him. Uh, You'll have noticed that I've missed over a couple of verses there at the end of chapter 15, verse 26 uh, and verse 27, uh, quite deliberately. And you'll notice that these verses are are in the middle of two blocks of teaching about persecution and the hatred of the world towards Jesus and his disciples. Uh, And these verses speak of a helper, the advocate, God's uh, Holy Spirit, Jesus himself, coming to help his people. Uh, and the positioning of these verses, I think, uh, by Jesus teaches us that even in the very midst of trial, in the midst of persecution, uh, Jesus will be with us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that an encouragement? Uh, read with me from verse 26. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. Though Jesus is returning to his Father, he will not leave his disciples alone. 
in the face of such opposition from the world, Jesus himself will come and dwell within them. He will be a source of strength and a source of comfort to them uh, in the hatred that they face. But the role of, of the Holy Spirit is more here than just a comforter in trials. Verse 26, the Holy Spirit will testify about Jesus. God's Holy Spirit will be sent from the Father in the name of the Son. And his purpose is to bear witness to, to testify to Jesus, to shine a light on him and point the world to him. And how does he do that? Well, verse 27, and you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. The spirits will bear testimony to Jesus, bear witness to Jesus uh, through the testimony of his disciples. Uh, Now, primarily, uh, this verse is addressed to those who were with Jesus from the beginning, that being his disciples there with him in the upper room. Uh, They were the ones who would go on to record uh, Jesus' words in this passage, uh, John himself writing, and then subsequently uh, much of the New Testament. Uh, And in writing, uh, reading through the Acts of the Apostles, we also see the, the transformative impact of the Holy Spirit on their spoken testimony as well as their written testimony. Think of Peter uh, in a page or two uh, rejecting Jesus, timid, frightened, and yet uh, read on into Acts. And he is one who testifies of the reality uh, of King Jesus before those who crucified Jesus. That's quite a transformation, an emboldening uh, by the Holy Spirit's power. And testifying to Jesus is an expectation, too, that is set for us. Uh, We, too, must testify. We, too, must point the world to Jesus. Uh, It's a world which hates him. It's a world that turns its back on him. And yet, in him, we find forgiveness, joy, peace with God our Father. Uh, We find the loving uh, community uh, of his people. And we have a foretaste of our heavenly, uh, eternal life. And wonderfully, as we testify, we too experience the Spirit's help. The Holy Spirit enables us to tell others about Jesus as we speak uh, and also in our living, as we seek to become more like Jesus and so bear testimony to his words uh, in our lives. So, Jesus setting right expectations. Uh, Be prepared for suffering ahead. Ultimately, as Jesus taught his disciples in the upper room, uh, the disciples discovered that testimony about him uh, could lead to death. And we can expect little difference. Uh, In a moment, we're going to sing uh, a hymn, uh, which I love. Uh, And in the second verse, uh, the hymn writer Uh, writes this, we bear the torch that flaming fell from the hands of those who gave their lives proclaiming that Jesus died and rose. Ours is the same commission, the same glad message ours, fired by the same ambition, and we might say uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, to thee we yield our powers. Like Shackleton's advert, Jesus sets us clear expectations for the journey ahead. The world hates Jesus and those connected to him. But wonderfully, we have the Holy Spirit's help 
in the face of opposition as we testify about him. And unlike Shackleton uh, and his men, there is no uncertainty about the outcome of the journey. Uh, Just look with me uh, down to the end of this section in verse 22 of chapter 16. Jesus teaches this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Let me pray as we finish. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that in Jesus you have chosen us out of the world. And we thank you for all your blessings to us in him uh, that we experience now uh, and those promised to us in eternity. Uh, We pray that this week we will be those who live according to our identity as citizens of your kingdom uh, rather than according to the values of this fallen world. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the truth of your word to us tonight, uh, that the world hates Jesus and those connected to him. Would you please help us to learn to expect opposition for our faith in him. And when hatred does come our way, would we not fall away? Instead, we ask that you would please help us to be encouraged that Jesus' word is being fulfilled in our lives. We ask that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit to testify boldly about your Son. And this evening we pray particularly, uh, Heavenly Father, for the persecuted church around the world, those 350 million or so Christians who are suffering so much more than we do uh, for his sake. We pray for Pastor Lorenzo imprisoned in Cuba. We pray for those brothers and sisters in uh, Kaduna State in Nigeria. Uh, We ask that they would not be discouraged by the world's hatreds, but rather uh, in the opposition they face, uh, they will be emboldened to testify to Jesus. For his glory we ask it.